0: Hi, so uh, welcome to Northeast on NASCAR. It's Pauline and Keith. Uh, before we go into our usual fun talking about cars going in circles really fast, I want to address what happened on Sunday between Alex Bowman and Jim Utter. Now, Bowman was talking with his team about not feeling well because of anxiety, and Jim Utter being the professional that he is known for being, Decided to use the hashtag anxiety Alex when referring to Bowman throughout the race. And listen, mental health is something that should not be joked about. It's bad enough. That people, there's a stigma around mental health that it shouldn't be talked about as it is, especially with men, because there's a macho stigma that men inherited throughout the course of evolution that we have to be tough all the time. That's not the case. Listen, I'm just as guilty of suffering from bad anxiety myself. It, and honestly, it happens almost every day. Like There will be moments where I'm, I'm either at my job, in my bed, or just out in public, and I'll just get this feeling that you're not good enough, or somebody's upset with you, or... You're sick and you have like a light cough and and you're coming down with the worst thing in the world, which during these times can be very stressful. So just no, no matter what anybody says, it's okay to not feel okay. And if you, no matter what you need to do, whether you need to see a therapist talk to a loved one, whatever you need to do to help your anxiety. Me personally, I have a very good support system. I have between my family and my fiance and her amazing family. I My, my moments of anxiety don't last very long. They're frequent, but they don't last very long. And that's something... That I personally wanted to bring up, and Keith, if you want to add anything to it, you're take the
1: floor. Well, you nailed pretty much all of it. You know, it's one of those ordeals that you don't really have much control over. You do your best to try to keep yourself in check, but the worst thing you can do is to let yourself suffer in silence. Um, it doesn't matter who you tell. Um, it just matters that you tell somebody. Um, The problem is, is the fact that, like you said, there's a stigma around men that we have to keep ourselves strong. We have to be strong for everybody else. We can't let ourselves be weak and have any kind of issue that we can't handle. Um, Suicide rates for men are usually higher than women, solely due to the fact that men don't know what to do with what their feelings are. Um, They try to refute them. They try to think that something is wrong and that they'd be okay. But truth of the matter is, is you'll never be okay unless you actually talk about it. Doesn't matter with who. Loved one, could be a spouse, could be a friend, could be somebody that you've talked to five times in your entire life. But it's something to just get it off your chest and that, you know, at least you can understand that, yes, I do have something that I would like to correct. And it doesn't matter how you go about it. If you do talk to a therapist, talk to a doctor, you just, you can't let it sit there. The more you let it sit there, the more you will feel that. And it's a very scary and demeaning feeling. But I'm here to tell you that, you know, uh, amongst the millions of people, not just men, not just women, not just anybody who identifies as whatever they would like to identify as, um, you're not alone. And you never will be alone, I promise. Uh, Mental illness and, you know, the awareness for mental health is always going to be something that is predominant in this world and you should never feel bad about it because here's the thing it'll never be going away and you have people in the world that have no problem just sitting down and listening and i'm sure that paulie and i are, are both people that you can most certainly confide in it's not an easy world to go about on your own so don't you got people out there that are, are waiting for you and
0: if myself or Keith are not available, Knucklepuck. Listen to Knucklepuck. They're a phenomenal pop punk band from Chicago. They're the band that as of late I've been listening to a lot when they're da- when I'm feeling down. Their their album Shapeshifter that came out a couple of years ago. Like it it is perfect for when you're just not feeling right and you want to hear voices that echo how you feel and plus the music is really fucking catchy anyways moving on the roval happened we got to see cup cars on a wet track unfortunately it didn't rain while the cars were racing but we did get to see a wet track and it was chase elliott we basically called that he was going to be the one to beat and he went out and put a stomping on everybody, getting his fifth road course win, his fourth in a row. And that as, as, begs the question, where do you see him both now and all time as far as
1: road course drivers? So first and foremost, you get off the Robo, uh, the Infinity Series had their race there, Um it was a fucking deluge. It was psychotic, and it was amazing. It was perfect. AJ Almendinger went back-to-back. You back. went to the cup race, and it wasn't nearly as damp, but you did see the drivers that came to the cream of the crop. You saw drivers like Elliott, Truex, Boyer, Ty fucking Dillon. Where did he come from? I don't know, but he put himself in some position to win a stage. Um, but overall, at the end of the day, when the checkered flag fell, the guy that flew first... Not a surprise. Four consecutive race wins on road course. Back-to-back Roval wins at Charlotte. And that being Chase Elliott. Chase Elliott, fourth straight win. I think that's phenomenal. Um, He is obviously a top two driver, I think, in the road course world. Um, I'm still not convinced to put him on number one. Amazingly enough, I'm not totally, entirely, 100% sold on it. I think the other driver that you have to watch out for is Martin X Jr. He is a phenomenal race car driver, unbelievable road course racer, and um, I think that he is always dangerous on a road course, but I really think that when next year comes around and you see not one, not two, not three, but six road courses, if Chase Elliott walks away with half of those, which I think is a very strong possibility, I think that he makes his case to be the best current road course racer, and I do believe... That I think that if he keeps up this road course repertoire for the next couple of years, um, I don't think that you can look any further than Chase Elliott being the greatest of all time. I think right now, Jeff Gordon and Tony Stewart, they are the guys to beat. You put them anywhere on a road course, and you had to think, okay, these are the guys I'm watching out for. Um, they outdueled drivers for two decades. I mean, it was incredible. You know Jeff Gordon, especially he won in the '90s. He won in the '2000s. I mean, you put him an anywhere on a road course, one of those race cars, and he was a badass. He almost won the 2014 Sonoma race, um, and that was the year before his final career season. And he, and he was still whooping ass. You know, and know his last career road course win was 2006, but that doesn't negate the fact that he is an absolute legend. Six straight wins between '90, what was it, '97 and 2000? You said yes. That's that's insane. That is absolutely fucking ridiculous, the fact that he was able to do that in, uh, in, in an era of racing that was just it, – it, it's been highly competitive for over 20 years now. And to win six straight road courses, it's just like, wow.
0: And what's crazy is now Chase has won four in a row. Jeff, like you said, he won his first road course race at Watkins Glen in 1997. He was 26 years old. Chase Elliott is 24 now, and it's very possible, and now especially with more road courses available, that we're going to be going to more road courses. It's not just Sonoma and Watkins Glen like it was when Gordon was racing. You're going to have Sonoma, Watkins Glen, the Roval, the Indy Road Course, Road America, and Coda. So Chase is going to have a lot of opportunities to prove that He is the greatest of all time on the road courses, and he his first race in a stock car was a race at New Jersey Motorsports Park in 2012, and he was 16. He finished second to NASCAR Pinty Series Champion and renowned road racer, Andrew Ranger. So he, just from the moment he stepped into a car on a road course, he has been very good, and while you were talking a couple of minutes ago, and we debriefed, and I hadn't thought of it until just now, but there's going to be a variable that I just realized it's not going to happen yet, but come 2022, Austin Sindrick.
1: I mean, I think that even as soon as next year with Clip Boyer retiring, Chase Briscoe is going to be coming up to the Cup Series, which I think is going to happen. He'll be in that 14 car. Chase Briscoe, I think right now will be the driver to watch out for in the next five to ten years. He is so unbelievably diverse anywhere you put him, and he has been especially incredible on road courses. His handle has been incredible, phenomenal, fantastic. And like you said, Austin Cindric is one of the nastiest road course racers I have ever seen in my life, bar none. He is absolutely insane. He wheels the shit out of a race car, and you're going to put him, Chase Briscoe, and Chase Daly all on the same track It is going to be fucking ridiculous. And I am just the fact that you said that I am so excited for the road courses come 2022 with the next gen car and three road course specialists along with other drivers, you know, and, and you can't refute other drivers such as Denny Hamlin or Martin Church, Jr., Kevin Harvick, Kyle Busch, all of these drivers, they are exceptional racers and you put them on a road course and they are still going to be exceptional drivers. And uh, I really do think that if Chase Elliott can top all of those cats, yeah, I, I don't think you can look much further past anybody else to be the greatest of all time.
0: And it's crazy. You bring up the term road course specialists. Now, again, I grew up watching NASCAR, late 90s, early 2000s. Back then, road course specialists weren't racing full time. You had guys like Boris said, Ron Fellows, Brian Simo, and a wider, Scott Pruitt, even though Pruitt ran a full year in Cup, which was God awful, and then but he came back with Ganassi a few times, and one I think it was '03. He finished second at Watkins Glen. He was very good on the road course. And then you had you also had be in full the time cars.
1: specialists like I don't know Robbie Gordon, Juan Montoya, Marcos Ambrose.
0: But my my point is overall, particularly from the up until about the early two thousands, before all the like Formula One open wheel drivers and Ambrose came in. It Not a lot of drivers were very good on road courses. The only ones that you could really count on were Rusty Wallace, Ricky Rudd, Jeff Gordon, and Tony Stewart. Other than that, really, there weren't a lot of guys that were good. And it's crazy to think now, you, the, the field on road courses, Dale Earnhardt Jr. was never really good at road courses in the Cup series up until really the end of his career. And guys like Max Pappas, Boris said they, they mentor these younger drivers, and these drivers now are the best that I've seen on on road courses and in the 20 some odd years that I've been watching.
1: I mean, you also look at the fact that, you know, now you've gotten into a very diverse level of the sport where you have Sims. You have drivers that are now running in sports cars. I know Chase Briscoe and Austin Cedric both very, very good sports car racers and they have brought those same talents up to here into the stock car level. You also have drivers like AJ Allmendinger that you have Austin Cedric and Chase Briscoe having to brush up their skills against AJ freaking Allmendinger and Allmendinger is still beating them but not by much and I, I, I will tell you this right now not by much A.J. Allmendinger is a renowned racer across several different platforms of motorsports. And Chase Briscoe and Austin Cinder are literally hot on his tail. One of the races that we saw was the Indianapolis Road Course. That was absolutely fantastic racing. And they had swapped the top spot for several laps in that race. And you think about it. A.J. Allmendinger, of course, he was one of the bigger names you would see at the road courses go out and compete and even win in Watkins Gun in 2014. But he's pretty much given them almost free lessons uh, on how to race road course. How do you get better? Well, watch this guy. And um, now you're going to have these guys coming up into the cup series very soon. You also have cup drivers that are there right now, such as Chase Elliott that are still very, very highly competitive.
0: Now going back to Almendinger, and that
1: actually brings up, remember last
0: week we were talking about serious lifers and AJ Almendinger is one of those guys that I think it would be beneficial both to him and the Xfinity Series if he stays full-time at College. Agreed. Because he he is an older driver. he He's very good in the Xfinity Series, and I think if he sticks with College, it, I wouldn't rule out him winning or at least competing to win the championship. He He's won a few races, especially on the road courses. He is right up there with Cindric and Briscoe. And he could, and he, he also has the cup experience to teach these younger drivers, like how to race and, and what to do and what
1: not to do. And it would be very beneficial. I think that when it comes to Almondinger, you look at the whole, he also won in Atlanta this year in the Xfinity series. He won on an oval, so he can do it. He has looked exceptional on the plate racetracks. Um, That's a big thing. If you're going to have three of them a year in the Xfinity Series and he can compete on the mile and a half, you're going to have plenty of road course to choose from. Not to mention, one of the racetracks that AJ Allmendinger was really, really good at was Martinsville because of his road course experience. You have a short track. uh, I think that could fit right into his hands. And you have a track like Phoenix being the finale for the next few years. That could play right into his hands, having to measure out your braking, your gas, how much you want to roll through the throttle. It's going to be incredible if he does go full-time, which with Ross Chastain moving up to the 42 car next year, there was an open spot next to Justin Haley, and I think that A.J. Allmendinger's name should go right above that door name. I think that he should be it. I
0: 100% agree. And going back to the tracks that he was good at, I remember, I think it was 2012, when he was driving for Penske, he, almost, he could have won Martinsville. Driving the 22 car, and it, it we obviously like he was suspended during the 2012 season for failing a drug test, which obviously he's rebounded from. But it, it begs the question like, what would have happened? Because, like, that can of worms is huge. Because if he stays, what happens with the 22 Joey Logano, etc.? That, that's for another time. I want to talk about the playoff picture because Kyle Bush. I mean, he said from the beginning of this round of the playoffs that they were not making it past, and they ran. It was a hot mess, and even though we kind of saw it coming, it's still crazy to think that the the defending series champion not only hasn't won a race, but isn't even going to make the round of eight.
1: Well, with Kyle Busch, he went into the round of, uh, of 12 uh, at Las Vegas, didn't really have that great of a run. Um, and then you go to Talladega. is just a crapshoot race. And um, he was running pretty well, I think. Uh, I think that he was doing pretty good um, up until the very end of the uh, of the event. And uh, he got wrecked. So that's another junk race car for him. And the Roval, the Roval, I think that Kyle Busch might have had an opportunity to finish in the top five if it weren't for the pitch strategy. I think the pit strategy really killed him at the end, but he was he was charging up through the field and older tires. He was keeping up with drivers like Elliott and Truex, um, but overall, I, I think that this round was a very pivotal round for him. The problem is the fact that he had two wild cards to deal with, and that being Talladega and the Roval. Um, his brother Kurt was able to just kind of skate away with his win at Las Vegas and not have to worry about, evidently, two races he actually got fucked out of. Uh, Talladega, he was doing the spinnies on top of, uh, Cole Custer and at the Roval, he actually got taken out late in the race by Martin Truex Jr. Um, actually like two laps to go. So if he doesn't have that win at the bank, you know, it's, he might be looking at, at, a, a round of 12 exit as well, but Kyle Busch, I feel terrible for him. I feel terrible for his team, but he recently put out, a um, he, he had a, a zoom call, I think with Bob Pockris, um, over the week, and he said, like, I know that my attitude doesn't all that great. I know it doesn't look all that good on paper, and I can be an asshole. He's like, but I really do care about my guys. I care about my sponsors, and I care about winning. And to not have a race win in in hand for these guys, or even be competing with these guys, is it's heartbreaking. But he does give a shit about his team. He gives a shit about his sponsors, and he certainly gives a shit about winning. Um, and it's just, it's a shame to see what's happened to the 18 car this year.
0: Yeah. And it's weird seeing Kyle Bush have a bad season. It, it's, people are going to say that it's the end of the world that Kyle, like, is he washed up? He has had bad seasons before. 2012. Like, 2009, 2012. Like, there, he, he has missed the chase or playoff or whatever you want to call it. And he has rebounded. No problem. So I, I don't think this is going to be the end all be all for Kyle Busch. No, it's, it's... Uh, and again, and again, this season was very different. You know, like with without practice or qualifying or anything like that. Kyle hasn't really had the opportunity to get a feel for his car before the race, and that I, I feel like his, has hurt him more than anybody. Because think think about it, like he's never. Gone winless in a full time season in the Cup Series, and it is looking like a very real possibility. Yes.
1: This and year. the thing is, is I, I'm going to highlight one moment where I remember Kyle Busch and his necessity for practice. Now, this doesn't make a bad driver. This makes a great team. Is just because you have a fucking notebook doesn't mean that you can just show up at a racetrack and be dominant. So Kyle Busch back in the 2017 Pocono race. At this point in the season, he was actually winless. Um, I think, yeah. No, no, no. Whatever it was. Oh, yeah, it was 2017. 2017. And he was winless at this point. And everyone's like, when is he going to win? When is he going to do it? And I remember he goes out for because this was when the, the Sunday qualifying was the thing. The first time ever where they had qualifying on the same day as the race. And I saw Kyle Busch on his first run in the first round. He sprints across the line, and his car is 23rd. And the top twenty-four advance and he's on the cut line. Drops down the twenty-fourth and then the time ends. So he just, just makes it. Comes back out the next round, puts the car number one. And it was just that's that's like the one thing that sticks out in my mind about this eighteen team, is the fact that you give them a little bit and they will figure shit out. You give them nothing. They have to just they have to do everything on the fly. They can't make big adjustments on the race car. It's not like they're in the garage where they can figure shit out. You know, so I think that some changes are definitely going to be in effect come the end of the 2020 season. Um, You know, Kyle Busch, I'm sure also has some stress and anxiety on certain things. Um, His truck team is terrible. Um, I'm sure that this personal life with what he's got going on, especially with the COVID-19 situation, certainly doesn't weigh very light on his head. It's, it's a shitty situation for everybody, but I think Kyle Busch is really struggling a lot. And uh, you know, thankfully he has people like uh you know his wife and his son to, to lean on and uh all of Rowdy Nation that loves him um undeniably and unconditionally. So he's got a great fan base there. But um it's just it's a shame not to see the eighteen card of Julian this year.
0: Yeah, I I definitely I I, I I feel bad for Kyle because I know he is a very fierce competitor and this season is killing him. Now I'll I want to talk about the round of eight. Yeah, we know Boyer is out. Uh, Almarola is out. Bush is out. Dylan is out. Uh, who, who do you see making it to so the final four? We have
1: our final eight drivers that are heading into this round. That being Kevin Harvick, Denny Hamlin, Martin Truex Jr., Brad Keselowski, Chase Elliott, um, Kurt Busch. Who else we got in this round? Um, Christ, oh, Alex Bowman and Joey DeGonald. So you have these eight drivers in front of you, and I'm just spreading these guys out, looking at them one by one. I think your surefire bets to get in, the two that I guarantee are going to be in, is going to be Kevin Harvick and Denny Hamlin. Solely because of the playoff points they have accrued throughout the entire season up until this point, that could pretty much carry them all the way in to the finale at Phoenix. As far as the next six drivers and what two spots will get filled by those drivers, it's hard to say. You have the track coming up at Kansas. I think Alex Bowman is a very strong contender for that event. Um, I think Brad Keselowski is also somebody you should look at and Chase Elliott. Texas, Kevin Harvick. I, I, I can't see past Kevin Harvick winning that race. He's won the last three fall Texas races, including last season with the same high downforce package. Um And then you have Martinsville, which Martin Truex Jr. has absolutely obliterated the field, both with the high downforce package and the low downforce package. Um, And I think that Martin Truex Jr., I think that he is going to be the other guy that fills in one of those spots. As far as that final spot, it is a very tough, tough situation all the way around, no matter what way you look at it. But I think that when it comes down to it, the two drivers I have circled are going to be Keselowski and Elliott. And I ultimately feel... Chase Elliott's going to get in. I had said pratt was going to get in, but Chase Elliott, he's kind of turning around a little bit. He's been stronger as of late, and I think they're going into a stretch of races he can really excel in. And I think that your final four will be Harvick, Hamlin, Truex, and Elliott.
0: Yeah, we we talked about it earlier, and I feel the same way, because he's got the momentum of the role win. He's very good at Martinsville. He just needs to close the deal and not get wrecked by anybody. He has won at Kansas. He... Is a winner at Texas in the Xfinity Series. And honestly, I think if he makes the Final Four, look out for him because he is very good at Phoenix. I remember the, the payback at Phoenix from a couple of years ago when he and Hamlin had that fiasco at Martinsville. Like, Elliot is not afraid to. He, he won't fuck around when a champ. And a on the, on the line. flip side of
1: that same coin, he almost won that race. If it weren't for Matt Kenseth just blowing his doors off late in the event, Chase Elliott had that race won. So he knows how to get around this place, and that was also with the low downforce package. Um, I really think that Chase Elliott could be someone that ruffles some feathers. He was also a he also had a really good run um, early this spring. Um, he was battling with Joey Logano for for you know the the later part of the race. I think that Chase Elliott should he get to that final round. I think that he's he, he's had this over his head kind of attitude in the last few years, but I think that might really benefit him big time when it comes to that finale. Should he get to it, he's he, he's got a tough road. I think that the drivers really has to watch out for are going to be the Penske boys, um, in Logano and Keselowski, and I I can't I can't just totally write off Alex Bowman heading into Kansas. I think that he has a really good shot of winning as well. So this could be a very exciting turnout or it could be very lackluster. Um, I know it has been kind of lackluster uh, the last few weeks, so we shall see what happens with all that. But as far as everything's concerned, my final four, I, I can't look past Harvick, Hamlin, and Truex. And then uh, I think Chase Elliott is going to finish that final spot.
0: I, I think you hit the nail on the head with the final four because Harvick and Hamlin is basically a guarantee. They've won so many races this year. 16 between the two of them. And, fired.
1: and that's that's more than half of the races this year already.
0: So them, so they have
1: all the playoff points
0: in the world. Essentially, Martin Jurex Jr. He doesn't have the wins that they have, but he has been quietly putting together a oh, very absolutely. good season. And then, like I said, Elliot with his momentum. And honestly, if he even if he doesn't make the final four, I wouldn't be surprised if Alex Bowman contends for a good finish at phoenix i just i i I don't know if that they're gonna let the people outside of the final four actually race for the win because that fucking bothers me to no end like i remember one year at homestead kyle larson like yeah he could have easily won the race and and what bothers me is you don't want to let
1: you
0: you don't want to impact the championship but you know what? You're in the race. If the driver is going to win the championship, they should be able to beat you. I look at Elliot Sadler getting pissed off at Ryan Priest when when he lost the Xfinity Series championship. I want to say that was, also 17. was... That was
1: when he was battling yes. And and Yeah, and, and it's... If you want to be the best, you got to beat everybody. That, yeah, that doesn't mean like, just and, the drivers that you're racing against uh, in the ch- in the championship. That means everybody that's on the track.
0: Yeah, and and you don't have to win the race to win the championship. So long as you finish better, you only Dude, have the to first beat time three guys. that ever happened was right 2011 with
1: Tony be Stewart. And and that was just one of those that was like, okay, I absolutely have to beat everybody, but.
0: Actually, it has happened before. I mean, in the playoff format, it's the first time. But before that, the last time that the champion won the season finale was Jeff Gordon at Atlanta in 1998. And then Stewart did it in 11. And then every year since the playoff format, it's been the the winner of the race has gone on to win the championship. And honestly, I liked having, like, dual celebrations. Like, I remember when Gordon won – at Homestead, the year Keselowski won the championship, it was really it it, it was cool to have two celebrations because a Cup Series driver has not been in Homestead Victory Lane with their Cup car in. Well, I mean, they're not going to be. It at was Homestead for the championship, 2000%. so it, it, yeah. So I mean, it renders it moot, but still, like it's been a very long time since the last time. That a driver was in victory lane while the champion was doing but their thing. But that just thing, goes to show you
1: the level of competition we've hit with this playoff format. And these engineers are so greedy with what they have. Because even in 2016, when Johnson won the race, even if it weren't Johnson winning the race, it was going to either be Edwards or Vigano, you know. And you look back at 17, I, I think that even with Kyle Larson, even if you throw him into there, I think that Martin Jurek Jr. and Kyle Bush would have fucking fought like hell to try to keep him back. Um, 2018, it was literally just the four of them, of, of uh, Logano and the big three, of Truex, Harvick, and Kyle Bush all just duking it out for the championship the whole time. And then last year was fantastic. Uh, I'm sorry, not fantastic. What the fuck am I talking about? But in terms of you know the fact that it was the championship contenders that were the only ones that were there waiting in the wings for the championship win. Um, 2014, spectacular. That was one of my favorite. That was incredible. Yeah, that was
0: that was, that was was a phenomenal race. And the fact that Ryan Newman almost won a championship without winning a race, although if he had won the race, it would have, have been perfect. The fact that he didn't win a single race or really even come close to winning a race in 2014 and almost won the championship kind of shows how flawed the format really is. It's gotten better with playoff points, but I I don't know. I just, I don't like the winner take all aspect. I feel like if it was another three race round, it would have a little bit more. That legitis- I would like. Leg- legitimacy. Towards it. I'm sorry. The English language is a very hard concept for me. So you're going to have to bear with me. But if the, like, Listen, I like playoff formats when they're done right. Like, the original 10-race chase was a good concept. I, if NASCAR is, is going to do a format, people want the old Latford system that determined the Winston Cup champion. They like that where it was no playoff, none of that. But people, especially now that the people who were kids when the chase became a thing... They're growing up, and it, it it they're saying, "Listen, we like this. It, it would be a good." Be- I feel like the chase was a, the ten car ten race, no elimination chase was a good balance, and I wouldn't be mad with it. And and I sure as shit wouldn't be mad with a thirty six race. Whoever has the most points at the end of the season, I agree format.
1: But I I think my favorite, and this is just you know because of what I grew up in, but also because of um. In my opinion, I thought it was probably the best way to do it all would be the, the 10 race chase. I, I thought that it was a fantastic way to kind of create some excitement, you know, because you have to admit, I, I saw a tweet today and it was Kevin Harvick winning the 2006 Bush Series race, four races before the championship was actually here, four races before the finale was actually around, um, you know, and, and I feel like that that kind of situation kind of sucks, You know, where you kind of know who's going to win the championship already as it is. You know, but if you get into a 10-race playoff, it's like, all right, these guys are all pretty close again. Now, who was getting hot at the right time? You know, because that was awesome. That was always great when you had, like, a a bad summer moment. But then you're like, I know my cars are good. And you get to, like, where, you know, when we were growing up, it was, you know, coming to, like, 2006, 2007, it was like you had Fontana and Richmond to kind of, like, round out The last two races before you got to the chase, whoever was good there, man, you were like, all right, now who was actually going to be the guy to fuck with? And uh, then you went to the 10 race playoff and anything could happen. In 2008, Kyle Busch put an absolute whooping on the whole field during the first 26 races, won eight of those races, went to the final 10 races, had two bad finishes, and that was it. You know, so it's, I think with everything, it's, you know pros and cons. I, I think that, you know, that was definitely a con. Yeah. It was like, well, if they had yeah, the, the full playoff, you know, Kyle Bush might not have had a situation like that, but you know, it is what it is. But then I think that the, the excitement, I think of the, the playoff grid we have right now has definitely worn off for me. Um, it, it, it was yes. really exciting for the first three years. And then after that, it just sucked. I think because, ironically enough, because of the, of the playoff points. I think with, with, the, uh, with the stages and the stage points and all that, I think once we hit that, I didn't really enjoy it as much because it wasn't as crazy and psychotic. Like, 2014 was one of the best NASCAR seasons I have ever watched, bar none. It was absolutely fucking fantastic. And I think that that playoff grid was spot on. I think they killed it with that. And then you went to 2015, that was um, a solid playoff. And then 2016, I mean, I'm being a little biased in that one, but at the same time, it was also pretty topsy-turvy, you know? And it came down to that that finale, and that was fantastic. I think ever since then, it's kind of a little lackluster. It's been pretty much expected who you're going to see in the the Final Four um, and who you're going to expect to see be the champion. So it's kind of worn off for me um, in terms of the excitement that they try to build up. But overall, I, I think this experiment was nice, and I'm going to call it an experiment because I don't want him here anymore.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. Although, what I feel like, if NASCAR wants to have a final four in the last race, separate them by playoff points, like like reset it like with with the playoff points. I mean, realistically, one or two of them might not have the chance at the championship, but really, it it should be that way because theoretically, Chase Elliott and Martin Truex Jr. and maybe even Demi Hamlin really don't have business winning the championship. Hamlin does because he has been very good, but Kevin Harvick this season is on a level that I personally haven't seen in – Probably about ten to fifteen years, with just he's, in, he could very well become the first driver since Jimmy Johnson in two thousand seven to win ten races in a season. His numbers are very close to Jeff Gordon's in nineteen ninety eight, which is arguably the best season of the modern era. And Denny Hamlin is funny because Hamlin is in talks right now for best driver to never win a championship, and Mark Martin's nineteen ninety eight was very similar to Hamlin's 2020. Mark Martin, I think he had somewhere along the lines of seven wins in 1998. And if it wasn't for the, the ass-whooping that Jeff Gordon put on everybody in 98, Martin would have won the championship. And I feel like it's the same thing with Denny Hamlin. If Kevin Harvick wasn't destroying everybody, Hamlin would very clearly Agreed. be the favorite. But,
1: listen... I also I just got some news. I don't know if you know the guy, uh, Chad Frankenfield. I don't know if you've interacted with him on Twitter, but a buddy of mine named I'm Chad sorry? Frankenfield he just messaged me and said that from what he is hearing, Jimmy Johnson is going to go full time in IndyCar 2021. Mm-hmm. Oh, I believe with the relinquishment of a lot of mile of uh, oval races, which was his biggest worry, I think that he might be going full time in 2021. That would Dude, be that would be sick. awesome. So that's because... what I'm hearing. I have goosebumps talking about it because I did not think I would have any interest in IndyCar. Um, I, I've tried so hard to have interest, but I think I might be a full time IndyCar fan come 2021 because if my man is racing full time, that is going to be fucking sick.
0: You know what? I'm very inconsistent with how often I watch IndyCar. But I must say this. And again, I am a NASCAR fan throughout. I've loved the sport for over 20 years. It is my biggest passion. That said, my favorite motor race is the Indianapolis 500. I I, I think it is, no matter what, nine times out of 10, it's going to be a great race. Just the history around it. I'm a sucker for history, especially with auto racing and and lately really I've been watching a lot of old Indy 500 videos from like the 50s and the 60s guys like AJ Foyt Bobby Unser, and it's the the history of IndyCar is a beautiful beautiful thing and Jimmy Johnson going to IndyCar is going to open up a lot of
1: doors that's going to be really exciting so I think it's a good way to end the show with Jimmy Johnson going full time that's killer
0: Dude, I, I, I can't wait for 2021, not just with NASCAR, but with IndyCar. So uh, for next week, uh, until next week, this is Paulie Oliveira with the Diecast 2 Keith Merrick, and we will see you next week and Peace. talk about Kansas.